Trials and tribulations, life can get rough. And through the storm, we'll make it. Just put your trust in Him. No matter what you're going through, I know that I'll never leave you. You feel that you can't take no more. You may think you've seen it all. Welcome to the Get Happy With Jay podcast. I'm your host, Jatan Woods. Today, we get to talk about a city I love. To be exact, I recently actually re-fell in love with it. If you are to believe everything you hear about Chicago, you would think it's nothing more than a drug and gang-infested cesspool where you can randomly get shot while perusing the Magnificent Mile. While just as any other city in America, Chicago does have some challenges. Today, we get to hear about what's going right there. During a recent trip to the city, I had a pleasure of meeting today's special guest. He is one of thousands and thousands of Chicagoans who are making a difference in the lives of young people every single day. Now let's meet Jarrell Turner. He's a CEO and founder of a wonderful program called SAT. He heads up that program and we will hear all about that and more. So thank you for joining me today, Jarrell. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. First up, let's talk about Chicago. I was uh, briefly chatting with you before we started recording about Chicago when I asked you if you were a native and you said yes. So tell me about Chicago. What is a Chicago that you love and have uh, decided to stick around? I love the Nelson Pot. I love the diverse culture and the diverse economic cultures that you get to have in our city. It's literally the best of both worlds. You get the view of this urban deprived city where people are, this hustler spirit comes from, where people are making the best of what they have. Mm-hmm. And then you get the, the inner city, uh, Chicago metropolitan life, where you get to see the best of the best. So it's like literally a melting pot. You get to see a little bit of everyone here. It's just an amazing city. It's a beautiful city. I I travel all over, and it's one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. I'm always impressed with how clean it is. It's really clean. Like, even the downtown area, you don't see a lot of garbage and stuff. So that's one thing that's amazing about the city. It is. They call us the second city to New York, but our city is way cleaner than New York. Yes. Much. <laughs> <laughs> it's way cleaner than New York. Um, but again, that's one of those things where it's a, uh, they make sure the metropolitan area of Chicago is picture perfect to the eye. Oh, it's pristine. So it is. And the, the sad part about the city is the lack of. And, and meaning they let you see what you want you. They want you to see. Yes. Those maybe 10, 15 miles of downtown area is beautiful, but five minutes outside of the city looks like the entire different world. And what is it's, it's that kinda, world like? Because honestly, whenever I'm in the city, all I do see is the is the lovely facade of what goes well in Chicago. But what is it like in the areas that aren't so pretty? What's really going on? It's depression. 
um, is depression because people always point to the problems of violence. People always point to the problems of gangs. and They always point out the negativity, but it's always an underlying issue. The underlying issue is the low income is based off no job. Yes. No, uh, I'm actually, I've been a teacher aide this year. This is my first year working as a teacher. Lack of programs. I remember when I was in school, we had like counseling services. We had uh, mentoring services. We had after school programs. All that stuff is cut. Uh, One of the big things going on in Chicago, they're trying to put a $90 million police academy there. And they closed a hundred and something schools. So it's like they're putting more focus to detention and more focus to order and controlling people than educating people. And Mm -hmm. that's one of the major problems. And I think that's an insidious problem that we're seeing all across the country and uh, with the head of the DOJ and how he is turning back a lot of um, the awful laws that uh, the Obama administration undid and he's doing again. And I think we're seeing that, that, like you said, that control and that over-policing that's part of the problem. And what is always annoying to me, like when people talk about the problems of any inner city, um, the city where I live in, which is Peoria, Illinois, certainly is uh, has its own problems, but they don't really want to talk about the cause of the problem. Because when you talk about the root cause of the problems, then there's what you have to fix. They don't want to talk about how redlining that still goes on today, how restricting where people live and which equals restricting opportunities. And and when you want to pocket people in certain areas and then you don't want to fund their schools and how it just goes downhill from there. So that's always frustrating to me. If you want to talk about the problem, let's talk about what actually really caused the problem and, and I'm ready to morph to another phase I'm ready to morph, morph to the phase of let's talk about solutions absolutely um, um, uh, it's an unknown problem that's the purpose that we do have to talk about the problem because to the outside eye you wouldn't know that Chicago is one of the most segregated cities in the world it is it really is <laughs> you wouldn't know that uh, if it's called the melting pot and we do have a little bit of everything here, but everything is, uh, if you want to say it politically correct, where it belongs. And yeah. I don't believe that that's a part of the segregation. They, they have an idea where everything belongs. Mm-hmm. And that's a big uh, issue of the gentrification that's going on, where it's like they're actually separating more. Like, instead of unifying and, and coming together to create a change, which it will be the the best idea to come together and create a change because this change is going to affect everyone in the long run. They just separate us and say, you know, we get our change, you consider what your change is. And I believe that's one of the biggest problems. Absolutely. Talk about your background a little bit, growing up in Chicago and then going on and deciding to stay there. What was, what was childhood like for you in the city? Um, childhood in Chicago. I grew up. Um, I was born in Chicago. Um, my family moved to a neighboring suburb called Harvey, Illinois. Harvey, Illinois. Yes, is, I've heard of it. It's the Chicago outside of Chicago. And um, my family moved us there in hopes of getting us away from the city life. And the city life came to us. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in an elementary school where it was 97.9 predominantly black. 
so I wasn't able to get associated and um, used to working around other races. Uh, mm -hmm. I wasn't able to, to get that experience, which you need in the world. You need to be real rounded, and and that's your. This is majority of the Chicagoans of the inner city story. We don't mm -hmm. have interactions with Caucasians or Mexicans or Italians or any people who you're more than likely going to encounter in the business world. We don't have any interactions with those guys, those people. And um, so I grew up there. I ended up going to three different high schools. I played basketball. So my focus was on basketball. I grew up with a culture of being an athlete. I grew up with the idea the only way I can make it out of my neighborhood and take care of my family was with basketball. I never knew a black doctor, a black lawyer, a black accountant. I never seen those things. So those ideas wasn't tangible to me. So my only tangible idea was I got to make it play basketball. So I, I jumped high school to high school chasing that dream. And, and that, that was my first experience of the real world because I got to go to three different high schools. My first high school I went to was Thornton High School in Harvey, Illinois, which is my neighborhood school. So that was regular. That was my comfort zone. In my sophomore year, I ended up going to a school called Thornton Fraction of South, which is in um, Linwood, Illinois. So it's like a really nice suburb. And it was such a difference. It was like almost a culture shock. Mm -hmm. um, How were you received there? Um, I was kicked out of the school. <laughs> <laughs> well, that answers that. Yeah, was, yeah that, that's how I was received. I was kicked out of the school. It was a 15-minute drive from my house. And like I said, Thornton, again, is a maybe 80% predominantly black school. The other 20% is Hispanic. Again, uh, when I went to Thornton Fractional South, it was probably... 30% black, 30% Hispanic, 30%, you know, other different races. And I had never seen other kids in my school. So I was just like, you know, I didn't know how to interact with these people. I didn't know how to talk to them. I felt like an alien. And I was 15 minutes away from my house. Mm -hmm. And um, I ended up getting kicked out of school because I was uh, a little more advanced than them in basketball. And they felt threatened by me playing sports, so they, they had a truancy officer follow me home and get me kicked out of the school. Oh, and, that's um, awful. Yeah, I'm the first, one of the first men in my immediate family to graduate high school. So the trend in my family is you get to sophomore year and drop out. Mm -hmm. And I was I was at that landmark where the sophomore year I get kicked out of school, and what am I going to do? And um, just all glory to God that uh, a coach seen some potential in me, and he ended up giving me a call. He said his cousin was a head coach at a school in Chicago. My mom did her best to keep us and move us away from Chicago, but some way I found my way back to Chicago. Uh -huh. I ended up going to uh, George Henry Corliss High School on 103rd on the south side. So I was literally in the, in the roots of everything. What they call the baddest area is called the Wild Hundreds. Actually, the Roseland area, Pullman area, that's where I went to high school at. I just got to see the grit and the big problems of the city. I got to see the real, real issues that uh, everyday civilians in Chicago are going through. I got to see the difference from going to the suburb and having mm -hmm. a school bus picking me up to going to the city. Now you have to get on public transportation. Yeah. You know, just that one big thing. That was that was a that was amazing to me. Like you asking kids to get on public transportation. That seems intimidating. 
It is. It is. How did you manage to rise above that? Because it's so easy when you're in that surrounding, you're in that depressed area, you see everything that's going wrong. You could easily just fall into that like okay this is my lot in life but you didn't so what is it that helped you to rise above that yeah all glory to god god just he gave me a gift and um that gift actually started making room for me before i even understood what it was so basketball literally saved my life mm-hmm. um, the hours where people would be outside and in the streets I was in the gym, and, and the blessing about athletes are uh, when you play a sport, it becomes a brotherhood. Yes. And I was placed around people who had a better interest for me probably than I had for myself at the time. Mm-hmm. My best friends, they, they end up falling victim to the life of Chicago. You know, God rest their souls. But um, I was just surrounded by some good people. I was surrounded by some good people. Uh, the people who someone else would call the worst of the worst, I got to know them, and they were great people, and they had my best interest at hand. So I was just, I was basically shielded. It was a shield put around me from playing basketball. And after high school, then what was life like? Um, I went on a college tour, literally. I went to six different universities. I didn't take full advantage of high school. I I, I was an all-city, all-state athlete. Mm-hmm. But academically, I was selling. And again, that's one of the big problems. This is what made me want to prompt this program. I was passed through because I was an athlete. Yeah, that happens I, everywhere. I graduated high school with a 1.0 grade point average. Graduated with a D average, and they passed me because I was a basketball player. So, mm-hmm. you know, when they say when you cheat the system, you think you win, but you always lose. I got to see that firsthand. So I cheated the system in high school. I got to college again. I was a superb, stellar athlete, but I was terrible in my class mm-hmm. and called a, a student athlete. Until you're a professional, you are a student athlete. And I was not a good student, but I was a good athlete. So my, my college career was just, I was bounced around from colleges. I would play good. I would be an All-American all-conference during basketball season. When basketball season was over, I would fail. I would reach out to another coach and go to another school. Same thing happened every year in my uh, college career, year one through four. And uh, by my fourth year of college, I ended up having 198 credit hours and no degree. I was taking classes just so I would be eligible to play basketball. Mm-hmm. These classes was not going to my requirements. I needed to graduate. Right. So, again, I thought I was cheating the system, but the system was cheating me. So I wasted thousands of dollars of free scholarship money taking PE classes, and I was going to school to be a paramedic. said I wanted to be a lawyer, and I had all gym classes. So it was just a, a real, real learning that I was very frustrated about at the time, but right now I thank God because I gained a lot of information that I'm going to share with our youth right now so they don't go through that same experience I went through. So let's now talk about this program because in hearing your backstory, I can really see why this is a passion for you and, and kind of the background of how it got started. But let's talk about your SAT program. And first of all, what does that stand for? What's that an acronym for? Okay, the uh, the program is called the Blueprint, S-A-P-T. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the S stands for sport, A stands for art, the P stands for post-secondary education, and the T stands for trade. So I call it the blueprint because I've been there. I went to every division of basketball. I played on every level. Um, My best friend played on every level of football. My other best friend played on every level of baseball. So I have first-hand and second-hand knowledge of all the sports, all the levels. And we all, it's sad to say, but we all have basically the same outcome, you know, where we was pushed through off of sport, but underlooked and overlooked on the education side. So I said I was going to go back and give that information, meaning that I wanted to inform, because I felt like I wasn't even informed that I was cheating myself. I wanted to inform people to take full advantage of education. You get told that a million times by teachers and your parents, but I feel like it's different when it's coming from someone who looks like you, someone who looks like and been where you want to go. Yeah, I was going to say, that's been there and lived it. That makes a difference. That makes a difference. I call it the Benz theory. Don't tell me about driving Mercedes if you don't own one. (laughs) I've been there, and and I I walked that walk. My walk was way longer than it had to be, but that came from a lack of knowledge. They say as a wise man to learn from a person who fell down before them, but a smart man got to fall on his own. So I'm just praying that uh, wisdom to fall onto the seats of these young men and young women who I'm placing on, but they don't have to take the same stumbling blocks I took. Uh, I also wanted to inform them about alternative educational routes. That's why the SAPT is for. Sports is our first love. Most of us who, you know, like I said, most of us from this background think sports is how I'm going to get out, but I want to inform them about the art, about all the different arts that, that are like different career patterns that you can get into about the different... Yeah, um, you, you have to have options because when you think about sports, I mean, it's kind of precarious in that you're just kind of like one major injury away from that not being an option for you. And, and when you think about like even the idea of going pro, I mean, it's like literally one in a million. It's almost like the chances of winning a lottery. So yeah, yeah it's awesome true. that you you are also um, concentrating on other things in addition to sports. So that's amazing. And my reasoning behind that was, again, when I say I've been there, got to Dubai on a contract. My first month I get injured, sent back home. Mm-hmm. Get to South America on a contract. Second month there, I get injured, sent back home. So literally, uh, I could have a testimony for all those different situations. And then I went and looked at this when it dug up the statistics of how many people actually make it. We're not even going to say to the NBA, but to college. Yeah. the statistics of who make it to college. It was under, for basketball, for a Division One program, under 2% of high school athletes are going to make it to college. That's wow. a staggering number to base your life off of I didn't even realize I didn't realize that it was that low to even to get to college I mean I was thinking about you know how tough it is to get to the pros but you're saying to even to get to a division one college it's amazing yeah yeah and, and again, these are numbers that they're there. They've been there. These statistics have been there. Um, again, we're trained to not read. 
we're trained to not inform ourselves, and that was my main purpose behind it, just giving out informative information, not to be discouraging at all, because I believe anything is possible, everything is possible. Me being able to get overseas was uh, impossible to me, knowing where I came from, knowing my journey, knowing I had to go to six different colleges to make it here, so I know it's possible. But I also want to give people a reality and also give them a, a, when they say you make a plan B, you plan on failing, plan A, I don't believe that. I used to believe that wholeheartedly, but I believe your plan should have a full circle. I just want to give people a full circle to their plan because you can't play sports forever. Yeah, that's true. Even even if you are one of the lucky few that makes it, yeah, your career is short-lived as an athlete. And, and another statistic, over 50% of the professionals go broke after five years after their professional career. That's amazing when you're thinking of possibly millions of dollars because there's no financial education that goes along with that. And then people that, you know, kind of come from nothing and haven't had anything, and then all of a sudden you've got all this money. It takes a lot to manage wealth. I mean, I personally wouldn't know because I don't have wealth yet to manage, but I know enough about the concept to know that it it's not easy. It's overwhelming. You need people to help you and to guide you, and you're given, you know, your first uh, contract check that might be God knows how much money, six figures, seven figures, and you're like, I'm going to go buy this big house. I'm going to go buy, you know, my phantom that I've been wanting and all these things, and you, it's easy. Then you haven't, all of a sudden, you haven't entourage and everybody's riding your coattails and you're footing the bill for everybody and of course you're going to be broke in no time flat mm-hmm. and and it and it's so serious the nba just started doing um i'm not sure of the other sports but i know for sure the nba just started doing education classes for the incoming rookies on finance like that's how serious it is mm-hmm. it just started uh require and take the financial uh, education classes maybe like in the last four years. Incredible that it's taken that long. Yeah, it's taken that long. I don't like to be a conspiracist theory, but when you think about the agenda, who wants the person who could come back and make a change? Right. If you can make a change for yourself, that's fine, but how many people come back and actually make that change? And then people always complain about that, but... But don't you, you think, think that that's, that's part of the problem in the African-American community, period? I think we have this mindset that we're so divided. I think we're the most divided culture of any of the other cultures. We don't have each other's backs. Like we have this mentality of if I'm okay, if my little family nucleus is okay and, and you know, my little bubble's fine, then I'm good. You know, each man for himself. And that's not how it works. We have to pull each other up. And I think we've lost that somehow along the way. Um, it, the, the way we lost it is simple. It's, uh, it's basic. I was just telling one of my friends yesterday, like, everyone in the world, the most selling book of all time, the highest selling book of all time, you know what that is, right? The Bible. The Bible. <laughs> the Bible. The highest selling, most selling book of all time is the Bible. Now, I'm not going to be a uh, over-godly person where I'm trying to preach or put a message on someone. But if you just take the principles of that book, of unity, of love, mm-hmm. just those principles alone, of the highest selling book of all time, that brings unity, that teaches togetherness. 
Mm-hmm. We are one of the only cultures who don't even accept the highest selling book of all time. Past that book, we are one of the one of our biggest downfalls. We don't read. It's it's not being. It's still in 2018 not being a major deciding factor to teach us to read. Reading is not an asset for It's not uh, one of the important factors that's focused on in our community. And that's the most important thing that we could do right now. Not even saying what we didn't do. Because there was a reason they didn't allow slaves to read. Mm-hmm. And the people who got in those Knowledge is power. Yes, ma'am. And the people who got in positions to make change had not. So we have to make that uh, influential, important key that we have to tell people, man, you have to read. You have to gain knowledge. Open your mind. Because your mind creates a vision. So many of us are blocked from our vision because we look at our sight. We pay more attention to our sight. And we don't even be able to create a vision because we don't have knowledge to base it off of. Back to um, discussing your program. Are you finding it difficult to get students to participate? That's part A of the question. And, and my part B would be, and of the young people that you are working with, what's the parent participation like? Because to me, that's always a huge part of the equation when it comes to educating our kids and helping our kids. It's like, you can only do so much, but if they go home and and they don't have the support and the push, then that sometimes can just kind of undo the good stuff that you do. So are you getting kids involved and uh, what's the parent participation like? First part of your question, um, this, this program has really brought joy to my heart being able to see anytime I get into a room for a young man, I could be in there with three different organizations. When other organizations get up and speak, the kids playing around, they joking with them. When I speak, they're all attention, all ears, all eyes on me. And they totally receptive of the message that I'm bringing to them because it's real. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a problem with that. My biggest problem is getting, getting support, get in front of the kids, getting approved to get in front of the kids. Getting the resources I need to reach more kids. That's the biggest problem for me. The, the second part of your question, parent participation, uh, that part's bad. I coach this year a lot of fifth and sixth grade boys. We made it to the championship. All the boys were a part of my program. I, I mentored them every day for three months. Um, we made it to the championship. It was most of these guys' first year playing basketball. I had two parents come to the championship game. Two parents? Two. Wow. And I at first I was very upset at the parents. At first at first I was very, very upset at the parents. And then I had to go back. That's how we said we it's easy to point out the problem. Go look at the underlying problem. If mom not at work, he, mom didn't go to college. Mom don't have a twenty thirty hour twenty thirty dollar hour parent job. Mom worked at sixteen hours a day. When mom get off work she's tired. Mom get off work at 9, 10 o'clock at night. Mom working so she can buy your basketball shoes. Basketball shoes cost $200 now. Half of a picture. Wow. So I had to go back and literally, literally reevaluate the whole situation. And that's where I just think, like I said, on my heart, how this is much needed. We need our community. They say it takes a village to raise a, cat, a child. So we need men to step up. Every over, um, I had one day, I had a, a group of 15 young men working out. I was training 15 young men. Eight of them fathers were dead. Five were in prison. 
the other two were in the boy's life. Wow. And this is uh, the same sad love story that you're going to hear over and over and over and over again in Chicago. And again, at first I was mad at the dad. Then I had to think about it. Dad was out there trying to make some money because he don't have a college degree. He don't have a high school diploma. And it's nowhere on the South Side that's offering jobs for people who may mess up when they were 16, 17. So it's, 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 a, it's a deeper problem. It's, it's a lack of education, lack of knowledge. It all goes back to that same thing again. But um, Well, I'm grateful to yeah. you for staying encouraged because um, I work in social work and, and I know that firsthand how sometimes when you're dealing with people, whether it's young people or adults that are troubled for any number of reasons, sometimes it seems like what you're doing is like putting a band-aid on a gushing wound and and you you seem like you're not making a difference but let me take this time to encourage you to let you know you are making a difference it may not work with every single child that you come in contact with but to even be able to help save one kid makes everything worth it but uh you're you're obviously going to be helping more than one child because things they're soaking in what you're telling them even the the stubborn kid that seems like the knucklehead that's not paying attention Mm -hmm. they are just some kids are harder to reach for many different reasons but just keep doing what you're doing and be encouraged because you're going to find as you go on these young men these young people young girls or whatever are going to grow up and they're going to come back to you and hunt you down and tell you what a difference that you've made in their life and then they're going to pay it forward too so just know that what you're doing you are sowing great seeds into these kids and to keep it up is there any way that that anyone in my listening audience other people can help support this program yes if you uh if we are not for pocket 501c3 so you can receive donations any charitable uh donations anything that you got with your heart to give well we actually can reach out um might be doing fundraisers i'm in the process of organizing a couple of fundraisers for this summer if you want you can reach out i have Facebook, it's the Blueprint SAPT. Um, on Instagram, it's the Blueprint SAPT. And, um, or you can email me at the Blueprint SAPT at gmail.com. All right. And I will put all that information in the descriptor of this podcast so that our listeners can know how to reach out to you. And hopefully, some listeners wherever, because people listen to this all across the country, and I have overseas listeners. And hopefully, someone out there will be inspired to take up this mantle in their own communities because programs like this are needed absolutely everywhere. That's man. That's prayer and my hope that um, Chicago is just the plant base. This is just the root of the blueprint um, that we can spread this tree and spread these branches all over America because every neighborhood in America needs a blueprint. We need uh, a helping hand. We need to reach one and teach one. That's one of my biggest things. If you could stop one kid from making one mistake you made, you made a difference. That's my prayer. Well, thank you for everything that you do and for joining me today on the podcast, Jarrell. Please keep in touch so that we can know what's going on with your amazing work, especially with those fundraisers that you said that you're working on. I would definitely like to take the trip up and support that as well. And to the listeners, please remember to find Follow Jarrell, look him up on Facebook and, and Instagram. And I, I was able to find you on Instagram. I couldn't find you on Facebook, but now I know what to look for. It's Blueprint SAPT. Look 
for that. Once again, that will also be in the descriptor. I'll provide a link to that. So what a blessing yes. you are. And just to think this interview came about by a chance encounter at a soul food restaurant in the Bronzeville neighborhood of Chicago. <laughs> so it pays yeah, to be I'll... it pays to be friendly. Had I not been open it's enough right. to make small talk, I would not have uh, had this opportunity yeah. to meet you as such a beautiful soul. So thank, thank you thank for you that. Much. And, and let's keep in contact. And uh, I just feel like we'll be friends for life. I love what you're doing. Any way that I can support getting the word out or whatever on my platform, I will definitely be happy to do that. And back to the city. Yes. Uh, thank you. I just want to. Uh, I have an event going on on June 30th this month at Metropolitan Community Church on 41st and King Drive. It's actually 4100 King Drive. It's going to be June 30th from 11 noon to 2 p.m. Um, and the event is basically just wrapped around. We're, we're going to have a panel discussion, actually bring out some ex-professional football players, ex-professional basketball players, actually only seven professional basketball players who ever received a doctorate degree. One of those guys, Dr. Earl King, is going to bless us. And just come out and share some information, share some insight with the kids. We're actually going to bring out a couple of mothers who are mothers to basketball stars in Chicago who lost their sons to gun violence. So just really try to touch the kids and, and give them some insight of what's really going on how what's going on in these streets affects your family and not just you. All right. I will also put that information um, and link to that information, too, on the podcast info. So thanks for sharing that. And whatever else comes up, let us know. And I will be glad to put it out there. And we hope that you come back to talk to us again. And uh, back to this city that we love. If you're listening to us, if you've never been to Chicago or you hadn't been in a while, summer is one of the best times to go. There's absolutely everything that you could ever want or hope for in a city. It's there. And would you say, uh, Jarrell, that it's even worth going outside the glitzy parts of the city to experience the culture in Chicago? Yes, yes, definitely. Um, Where we we met at the Bronzeville area, one of the prestige African-American communities in America. Uh, so much history, so much um, beauty. Beauty just wrapped around the city. We have a lot of historical landmarks on the south side as well. Our beach, the lakefront, is the south side. Is, that's where I'm from. I love the south side. I love the west side and the east side of Chicago. That's one thing That's one thing about you, Chicagoans. You guys have no problem saying what side you're from. You got the side pride down. <laughs> Uh, one quick question before I let you go. Is there like some buzz and excitement that's building about the Obama Presidential Library? That's got to be something that's like going to be a wow factor for the city as well. And to my understanding, isn't it going to be on the south side? On the south side. On the south side. Um, President Obama uh, is a great inspiration to Chicago. Um, just him having the idea to put the library on the south side was amazing. It's going to be so inspiring. Because he could have put it anywhere. He could have put it in the glitzy, ritzy parts of Chicago, and he didn't. So that's amazing. He did, and that's amazing. It's going to be a a child one day who goes and sees, like, this man came from here, and it's going to inspire someone tremendously just being able to walk 
in that field. So I'm looking forward to that as well. I know I am too. That's going to be amazing. And all the people that are going to be employed, it's just going to be a great experience all around. Well, thanks again, Jarrell, for being with me. I look forward to hearing from you again. And for all of our listeners, I want to hear from you guys. Give me your opinions about Chicago. Have you ever been? Let me know if you're inspired to visit this beautiful, amazing city over the summer. Send us a pic. I want to see it. You can always reach me directly at my Get Happy With Jay Facebook page. Jarrell, go there and like my page. Okay. <laughs> also, oh, yeah. the website is gethappywithjay.com. If you've missed any past episodes, you guys, you can catch up on episodes or re-listen to them. I have a lot of people that tell me that certain episodes have really, you know, touch them in a way and they've listened to them multiple times and that's always so amazing to me. Always review, share, like, help us uh, to grow this happy movement and I definitely really seriously want to see some of your pics from the shy. So until next time you guys do something to make yourself happy. It's not self-care and that includes you Jarrell. You're doing such great work but remember to take care of yourself too okay? Yes, yes. All right. Thank you guys. Until next time be blessed. 